Welcome to Open Mic. Hello, everyone. We're back in the studio. Kind of exciting being back here. I know over the last year and a half, we've been at lots of different locations, but our guest today is local and wanted to come in. And I need you to stay with me when I'm telling you about this story. Our guest is Eric Anderson, who on April 18th, 2010, stopped at a Coney Island in Detroit to use the bathroom. While inside of that bathroom, an incident broke out and Eric was shot in the foot. He was taken to the hospital, treated, and released. Ten days later, a victim of an armed robbery only a few miles away from that Coney Island where Eric was shot gave police a photo of Eric Anderson and said he was one of the people who robbed him on the same night and right around the same time, which obviously would be impossible. Eric is on video at that Coney Island, but the jury never saw the video, and he was convicted of armed robbery and spent over nine years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Joining us now here in the studio is Eric Anderson. Truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's what you're going to hear on my podcast, Open Mic. I'm going to tell you things that most lawyers won't tell you. We expose the truth and bring you justice. I want you to go for the win in law and in life. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing okay. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing fine. Well, the story is kind of crazy and convoluted, but the good news is you're sitting right. with me, so not to have a spoiler alert, but you're out. Man, I'm out. So, you know, we've done, I've interviewed well over 10 people who've been in prison for crimes they didn't commit. Okay. Every story is a little crazy because Most definitely. you guys are, because you guys are getting convicted for things you didn't do. And that's crazy in and of itself. The fact that you spent nine years in prison here in Michigan is not right. So let's get to it. Let's go through it. Let's try to make sense of this. Um, We're not going to find no sense in this. But well, okay. We, we, I like you saying that. That's fine. <laughs> let's let's make no sense of this. Let's, so, let's show how ridiculous... Okay. This conviction was. How about that? I'm with that. All right. April 18th, 2010, 3.30-ish in the morning. Tell us about your stop at the Coney Island. What happened there that led to you getting shot in the foot? Um, April 10th, I mean, April um, 18th, 2010, um, I was with a friend of mine in which we was leaving, like, downtown area, you know, clubs and all that kind of stuff. Um Upon leaving downtown, I'm like, well, I'm hungry. And I also got to go to the bathroom at the time. Um, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. Time to go home at this point. Been time to go home, really. So um, as soon as I walked into Coney Island, um, I got shot. It was an altercation with some, amongst some guys. Um, you didn't know any of these people? No. 
And were you in the bathroom or were you in the no, main restaurant? I had just walked in. You just, okay. So the bathroom thing, oh, you, I think I read stories about this, that you were going to the bathroom. Right. You walk in the door, you get foot in your, sh you get shot in the foot almost right away. Almost instantly. And then what'd you do? Then, like, I didn't even know what was going on. Like, um, I'm pretty sure you've never been shot. Pretty sure you're right. <laughs> okay. So it felt like something was vibrating, like something was vibrating through my foot. You know, um, I was really in shock. So I took, I tried to take a step and instantly pain. So I started hopping. I hopped outside the Coney Island. Uh, the friend I was with, he was still in the car. Um, he seen me hopping. He got out the car, ran to me, um, wheeled me to the car, you know. Wheeled you? No, like, you know, uh, held me to the car. Like, he walked me to the car. He assisted you to the car. Y yes, sir. This is Darius Nunley. Yes, sir. Okay. And then you get in the car, and what did you say to him? I say, um, take me to the hospital. But, you know, at the time, um, not growing up, I know the receiving right around the corner. Um, I got shot at Detroit 1, Coney Island, which is like Woodward and... Um, that's what that's like Midtown, Peterborough, isn't it? yeah, Peterborough, right? Yeah. That's Midtown. Yeah, so that Coney Island right there, um, you know, receive around the corner. But hey, I, I grew up on Seven Mile in Greenfield, like receiving was my hospital. I know about you know, so I told Darius, man, just take me receive. I mean, just take me to Sinai. Okay, so hold on, you just I think you just misspoke. If if you lived at Seven in Greenfield, Sinai was your hospital. Yes, sir. Yes, Not. Sir. Detroit receiving. No, not receiving. Got it. Okay. I was born at Sinai. No. Little fun fact. Oh, I'm good. just throwing it into the show. Yeah, you're a great man. They, they, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so are you. Thank so you. you said, I don't want to go to Detroit receiving. I know Sinai Grace. Take me to Sinai Grace. Right. And at, at the time, I wasn't driving. It's three in the morning. He had to go home to his his girl, his you know his family. Did he, he live closer to Sinai? Uh time he stayed in Oak Park okay you know so you're not about to leave me at receiving tonight like and I got shot in the foot if I if it, if it was somewhere serious I got shot at I'd be like all right take me there but I was responsive you know it was like take me to sign our grace okay so that this is relevant it becomes relevant at your trial yes this, very, these set of facts that we're talking about very relevant you know Kevin Dietz is in our studio today Kevin just for kicks and giggles can you do a map quest uh, to tell me how far, how many miles it is from Detroit 1, Coney, to Sinai versus receiving. I'll get back to you in a second, Kevin. You could tell me that after. So he drove you directly to Sinai Grace. Yes, sir. And you were treated. Treated. And released that um, night, or did you spend the night? Um. Well, I mean, it was kind of early in the morning. I got out at like 730 in the, in the morning. morning, so okay, who was, picked you up from the hospital? Um, one of my friends had took me to my grandmother's house. At the time, my grandmother stayed right around the corner from Sinai. She stayed on Six Mile in Hubble. Okay, so somebody picked you up, yeah. took you to your grandma's house. Yes, sir. That's where you're staying. Yes, sir. And at the at the same time, as you getting shot at the Detroit One Coney Island. 20-year-old Gregory Matthews Jr. and a friend, 19-year-old Stefan Tolan, um, were involved in another robbery. Right. Um, did you know these two people? Um, 
Gregory, I knew who he was, but like he wasn't a friend of mine. Like we never spoke or anything like that. Like he stayed down the street from one of my friends. So it was like, oh, the guy that stayed down there, you know, like I never said two words to the man. What about Stefan Tolan? Never seen him. Okay. I think he was at my trial, but outside of that, no, never. So they were robbed and beaten. At least one of them was beaten. Right. A few miles away from the Coney Island. Not, I see. Um, Is that not true? Not true. I, I answered the question that, that you gave Kevin. Um, the distance between the two was 10 miles. Um, you know, downtown, you know, where, where at the Coney Island. The crime happened on Seven Mile and Southfield. The so, crime, the, the, the Matthews yeah, sorry. and Tolan uh, potential carjacking, uh, getting pistol whipped in the face is what happened. Uh, that happened where? Seven Mile Southfield area. Okay, Seven Mile Southfield. Um, you didn't do it. Of course. Um, their story is that they were around 3 a.m. Mm. the same night. They were held up by two men with a gun, mm. correct? Correct. One of them, they're alleging that the that the uh, robbers put a gun to their head, one of their heads, pulled the trigger, and it jammed. Mm. True? And then um, the guy with the gun beat up one of those two, right. pretty badly. Right. And then they heard some beeps and somebody came outside and they took off running. Is that true? Am I saying this kind of right? Yeah. yeah. Am I missing it, anything it, important? It, it might be, yeah. That's, well, that's about what happened. That's about what happened. Yeah. And, and then one of the witnesses mm-hmm. said that as, as the two robbers were turning a corner, they heard a gunshot. Right. And that's basically their story. Yes, sir. Okay. That, that's all in the police report. That's all in the police report. So then you go home to your grandma's house, your foot's, I assume, bandaged up. Yeah, on crutches. And then 10 days later, what happened to you? 10 days later, um, I was at my uh, mother and father home um, on Seven Mile. One of my friends that came and got me, um, we was about to get some food, go visit a friend like Puritan area and um you know you know um we rode up like out of drive to Myers Myers we was gonna take Myers up to Puritan and, you know um police pulled us over right in front of the car wash on six mile in Myers and you know came right to my door then, you know, let me see a driver's license, um, driver, or nothing like that. They came right to my door like, yeah, um, you Mr. Anderson, the guy that robbed someone and shot yourself in the foot. You coming with us. That's what they told me. So What's going on in your head when they say this? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, that ain't happening. You know, so. But. Wasn't no winning with that. Like I can't, I can't argue and fight and all that kind of stuff. How did they? How did they? How did? Did do you know how you became a suspect? Yeah, of course. I know how I became a suspect. So tell me what happened. Um, I do. T- I know too. But we're trying to tell a story here. So yeah. tell me, tell me what happened. So um, upon me getting arrested, mm-hmm. 
you know, we went to the eighth precinct or the sixth precinct, cause you know, at the at the time the eighth precinct was closed down. Okay. Um, so we went on Plymouth, precinct on Plymouth. Um, I sat in the holding cell for a while. One of the detectives came to me like, do you know Gregory Matthews? Like, no, I don't. I don't know this man. He came back and um, you know, he, he brought up my one of my ex-girlfriend's names. I said, yeah. So then another detective came, you know, um, called me out. Like, um, you know, asking me, you know, the circumstance revolving the the um the robbery. You know, um he also asked me about another robbery on Coyo that was supposed to happen the same at Coyo and Seven Mile. Each time I told him, like, I don't know, I don't ha- I can't give you no information on these crimes because I was a victim to a crime myself. You know, I got shot downtown. So after me saying that a couple times, he was like, all right, where you get shot at downtown? I told him I got shot at Coney Island. Um, he like, all right. He then, you know, you know, sent me back. He was like, I'm gonna do my investigation on this. Um, he did his investigation because I got shot downtown. The police from the first precinct came and seen me at Sinai Grace. They came and seen me, you know, took a police report because I had left, you know. But how did they find out about you? Did you call the police that night? No, probably the probably the, the hospital. Yeah, the hospital probably. Yeah, that's police. protocol. Yeah. So that's good information. So so the police came and and took a police took a statement from you. Exactly. And your state and your statement said, I assume I walked into and I was immediately shot. I left and I went to Sinai Grace. Correct. And that was taken probably in four o'clock in the morning that morning. Just about. Okay. Keep going. Um. So you know he said he's gonna do his investigation. Okay. Just, I guess he did his investigation with about his way. Um, a couple of days later, I was moved to Wayne County Jail. Um, approximately two weeks later, the same detective and somebody else that was with him, probably another detective, took me to MSP post, Michigan State Police Post in Oak Park to take a lot of tests. Cause I guess, I guess, you know, it checked out. Like I said, I was somewhere. Oh yeah, my bad, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up. He asked me what I have on that night. I told him everything I had on that night. Mike, you know what you had on 10 days ago? No. I, I didn't think you did. So how, how did you remember? Because something drastic happened to me in my life. You know, like- You probably I, had blood on some of the stuff. Um, I got shot in the foot. And it didn't. I mean, your like, shoe. The hospital cut it off and threw it away. You know, so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I wasn't keeping that trophy. What about your pants? Because wasn't your jeans were a, a factor in this? Yes, sir. You had special um, jeans on. Yes, sir. I had some um, some some. It was a clothing brand named Ed Hardy. Okay. I had Ed Hardy. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. Like yeah. a motorcycle brand or uh, uh, something like that. Like school heads or all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, heads. Okay. Like back back in the day, that was popular. So I had um, I had those jeans on, and that's what stuck out. That's how they was able to identify me. I told them I had these jeans on. They identified you on videotape that they had at this thing. Yes, the sir. first set of cops or the second set of cops identified you. Um, cops. Period. 
you know, anybody, anybody who looked at that tape, they'd see a guy, they'd see you. Now, was your face in the video? Um, from the from the angle that was given to the police, or the police, or the angle that the police gave out to us. Because think about it, when you walk in a public business, they have many cameras in there. They just don't have one at one door. They have it inside the the business and everything. So it, it still drives me crazy as to why we didn't get another angle. So to this day, 10 years, whatever later, yes, sir. you've never seen your face on video? No, never. Okay, so what did you? See? what's on this video? What's on the video, you will see my face. But the video in which that I have, you just see my back. Um, you see me walking in with the description I gave. And, with, the, um, with the jeans, the Ed Hardy jeans, yeah. in the back of your head. Yeah. I assume a guy with tight tight hair yeah um now when you see this video is it you yes sir there is no video that you know of that has your face face, right they they, somebody didn't record it right somebody lost it somebody the police destroyed it the restaurant lost it or destroyed it or who who the heck knows but you've never seen it never seen it but it is it is it clear that when you walk in that that you see the video with the back of your head, yes, the jeans, sir. the shirt you gave the identification of, all of it, all there, all of it. And then in the video, does it show you getting shot in the foot? Um, it showed me reacting because I don't think it was no volume on it. So it, it showed me reacting, like looking at and then walking out. So it no. shows you walking in, reacting, and walking out. And no. on the way out, that you can't see your face. No. Okay. So. Yeah, so I went to MSP. Oh, for the lie detector test. For the lie detector test. How'd that go? You know, on the way there, the test was like, well, you know, you passed this. You know, you good. You gone. You know, growing up, I used to watch Maury. The Maury show. Sure. Yes, sir. And, you know, um, that was a lie. That's the truth. You know, so I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm out of here. I'm going to pass this test. I'm going to pass this test. But that's thinking from like a child mindset, you know, was if 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 you failed the test, you was you was wrong, you was lying, you know. Eric, let me let me interrupt you. Had you talked to an attorney yet at, at this point? No. Okay. Did they offer you a chance to talk to an attorney? Uh I believe they did. And you you said no. You were under arrest, right, but, right, 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 right. but you said no. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about it. Because you I, knew you were innocent. I was innocent, like I thought I was getting out the precinct that day once they went and reviewed my tape, the tape. For future reference, for anybody yeah. listening or watching, don't do that. Don't do that at all. Get, thank you. You get an attorney. The second they say you're under arrest, you stop talking. You get an attorney. And let the attorney walk you through this process. Yeah, because it definitely didn't work for me. <laughs> and, so, I'm, and I'm an innocent man. So. So, you, so so you took this test. Did they tell you right then and there that you failed it? Yep. They told me um, on the way back. On the drive back to the jail, mm-hmm. they we, was said, on, we was on I-75. What'd they say to you? They said, you f- I think he said something like, you failed um, charges, is, you know, uphill. Go to county jail. Um, so let's fast forward, because th- this is May. Let's fast forward to September. Um, 2010. 2010. What happened in September? September 2010, they gave me a plea. Plea offer? Plea offer, yes, sir. What'd they offer you? They offered me probation. If you pled guilty, you weren't going to jail, and you'd go to probation? Yes, sir. 
I, I had a plea. I got charged with two armed robberies, assault with intent to rob while armed, and felony firearm. They told me if I plead that I would be pleading to two unarmed robberies and be placed on higher probation for two years. And did you have a lawyer at this point? I had, at this point, I had a court appointed attorney. Okay. Which is something else you don't do. If a, if you can afford it. Right. Um, my dad had asked me, did you did I want a lawyer? I told him, no, nah, you could say that. You know, like, I was so confident. Save your money? Yeah. I was, I was so confident that the people that's in charge of upholding justice would do the right thing. Mm. You know, so... Mm-hmm. I was so overly confident in them that, you know. Um, he said, there's no way they're going to convict me because I didn't do it. Right. The facts will, the facts is laid out for y'all. So they offered you a plea of no jail time, no, no jail prison time, time. No prison time. But you had to say you did it. Yes, sir. And what did you do? I said, no. Um, my judge, my judge was in utter disbelief. What was your, who was your judge? Judge James Callahan. And... Did you ever talk to James Callahan and said, I didn't do this? I mean, in the courtroom, I did. And so that's why you're not pleading to it. Right. And the judge and, couldn't but, believe it because a lot of people plead guilty to things they didn't do to avoid jail time. Right. If I was guilty of something like that, I would have took that. Of course. Like, that's like, I, I guess. Walk out of jail that day. Right. Well, get out of jail free card, I guess. Um, but you would have had to lie. I would have had... Right, I would have had to lie. So you turned down the plea offer. Yeah, I turned down the plea offer. The judge asked, he said, are you stupid? That's what he said on record. Yes, was I stupid? Um, I'll never forget it. And what'd you say? I said, no. He said, um, what's your highest level of education? I told him high school, some college. Like, I was going to college when all this had happened. I was going to WC3 to try to go to Michigan State, transfer to Michigan State after a year. Um... That same judge told me, um, go talk to your lawyer and your father and the bailiff in his chambers. We even went to the chambers. They wanted that conviction so bad. Um, went to the back. My, my my dad asked me what I wanted to do. I told him, I'm going to try. Like, it, I'm not a fan of people confessing the things that they didn't do. You know, like, you're not going to get me like that. I hear you. And and if, if that doesn't prove your innocence right then and there, I don't know what does. So you told everybody you're going to trial. Right. How many months, weeks later did you uh, go to trial? I went to trial two months later. And did you have the same court-appointed attorney? Yes, I did. And what was his name? Norman Robner. And uh, how do you think he did for you at trial? Um... It was horrible. Tell me what happened. Um, just this, this alone, the fact that he never showed the jury the video. So did you say something to him during this? Yeah, I did. I said, this is what he did. He gave the jury video stills. You know, Pictures, video photographs. Still. But if you guys don't know what a video still is, it's basically a, a picture of a video, or in today's world, it'd be screenshot in a video. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he show the video, the actual video? I don't know. Was he allowed to? He should have been. It's, it's evidence, you know? And what did, this, what did the screenshot show? Just uh, black and... I mean, 
know, it's it's color. But the screenshots show, you know, what's in the video. You see my pants, you see all you see all the necessary things, you know. Um Did he call your friend who was with you when you were shot? He did. He testified. Yes, sir. That you were shot. Uh, at the Coney Island, and then you guys went to Sinai Grace. Yes, sir. And who, who, did you testify? I did. And you told the story that you just told us. Yes, sir. Okay. And who else? Who? Who? who what else was part of your defense? Um. Part of my defense. Let me see the tape. I had another friend testified as well. Um, a, a guy that was implemented with me in committing the crime. Um, he testified as well, saying what? Saying that you know this never that never happened. You know what I'm saying? He never got arrested. So it was kind of it was kind of weird because I I didn't want him I didn't want him to come even come to testify because I'm like worst kind of worst like they're gonna arrest you because like you're my co-defendant at that point, you know. But they didn't they left him alone, so it was like. What is this really about? So what was the prosecution's case? The prosecution case is like you said. Um, first of all, they said that I might have been at the Coney Island, but I didn't get shot at the Coney Island. They said I went from downtown to South Mile Southfield, robbed a guy, robbed two guys, pistol whipped them, Gun went off upon me leaving the, the 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 scene, and the bullet went in my foot. Um, oh, this is another thing I said at trial. I don't want to forget this. Um, I tried to explain because I think at the time an NFL player had just shot himself in the foot. I think um, um, Burgess uh, some. I think he played for the for the Steelers or something like that. Plastico Burgess. Mm-hmm. Or I think that's happened when I was in prison. But anyway, he had shot himself in the foot. Um, in order for an individual to shoot himself in the foot, the gun had to be aimed aimed down at his foot, right? Meaning that the bullet would be somewhere on top of his foot. My wound came from here, came out here. The side of your foot. It came from the right from the from the right side out the left side. There's no way possible for me to do that, for me to shoot myself. Did your defense attorney present expert witness testimony that that was an impossibility? Fail. Did not. Did not. Did he try to get an expert witness? I can't recall. Like a doctor testifying? I can't recall. Okay. And so, so I tried I, upon in my testimony, I tried, you know, I explained this to the jury, everybody in the courtroom. Um, I even offered, I even offered to show the jury my wound so they can see for themselves what it looked like. Judge objected to that. Mm. You know, uh, I don't know if he thought it was too explicit. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why. But who did the prosecution put on? I mean, these witnesses who said they saw you pistol whip and you know rob these guys um there was a few people who said that right somebody said they were looking out a window there was was the two people who were robbed it was the two people that was robbed and one of the 
um, people that was around mother. Okay, let, let's let's back up. Remember when you was giving the, the description to the audience in the beginning, mm-hmm. based off the police report. Yes. In the police report, everything says unknown. Um, guys had on masks. Unknown. Unknown means something that you, in which you do not know. Right. Um. He had heard I got shot the same night, you know. So that's when he, you know, went to the police station, filled in the blanks then, saying me and one of my friends. He only he only added my friend because the same night, the friend that took me home was at the hospital. He had just... Um, he had just he had dropped the weight on his wrist like weeks prior and you know his it was wrapped up um the guy who drove you there no the guy that took me home oh the guy who picked you up yes. got it um so that's another thing that was in evidence like all right the guy in which i got i got everything in my on my defense also the guy that you saying that's my co-defendant has medical records that saying that he didn't do this, you know. So if he didn't do it, y'all saying he's my actual co-defendant. Why y'all just leave me, you know? So it was like something else that was very weird, because like all signs point to me being innocent. Did your defense attorney cross-examine these witnesses? He did. So okay, like I was saying. Um, Everybody was, you know, unknown. He found out I got shot. Added me and the friend he seen at the hospital because we went to Sinai Grace. He went to Sinai Grace, you know. So that's when he, it was him and him. They did it. He told his mom. She made the statement after that. So now it's like everything went from unknown robbers, unknown suspects to is this guy, this guy. On on the stand, he said they mask fell. I mean, they shirt. He we didn't have um, masks. We had shirts, and they fell off our face. You know, it's like all kind of other stuff. Right. So the police report originally, when they reported the crime, they didn't know who these people were. Exactly. The thing, the thing that seems important at the trial that that might have really hurt you was the location of the robbery in 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 respect to Sinai Grace. Exactly. So how far was, where was, where exactly was, did the robbery take place that that you weren't part of? Uh, Seven Mile on Archdale. It was was actually on Archdale. It was two blocks before, um, uh, two blocks before Southfield Road. And how many miles is that from Sinai Grace? Shoot, um, let's see, one, two, three. Three miles? Yeah, about, about, yeah, just about three miles. I so they argued, they argued that that you weren't telling the truth. Yeah, they argued that you were shot after you pistol whipped and robbed these people, and then the closest hospital was Sinai Grace, and that's where you went. Exactly. Um, the fact, I mean, how that doesn't make a whole bunch of sense is um, that. How I mean, so what? Is, how did they? 
This is getting the confusing part and the crazy part. And right. I apologize for, for my lack of uh, getting this question out so clearly. But sure. how did they argue at trial that the police report you gave at four in the morning at Sinai Grace Hospital talking about the shooting at Detroit One Coney Island, how would you have even known about that shooting? I would have not known. That's the thing. Like, so I don't even I don't even understand how the jury convicted me. Because it was a jury. They always say a jury, you'll be convicted by a jury of your peers, right? Um I had police officers, I had all kind of thing, people on my jury on purpose just to deal with one time, two bullet wounds, gunshot wounds, you know, and, and common sense. So I, I'm not understanding. I, don't, I still to this day don't understand um, what led or what made the jury convict me or what even made the prosecutor office continue to press charges. So, did this private investigator testify at your trial? Um, trial? No, I didn't have a private investigator at trial at oh, all. Oh, you're talking about after the fact? After, after the fact. Okay. Which was so, so, my release. so, we're jumping ahead a little bit. Um, despite all of these defenses, you were convicted on November 5th, 2010, of two counts of armed robbery, assault, and illegal use of a weapon. Exactly. What did you think? When you heard that guilty verdict, um, I was like, "Here we go, appeal." You know, at, at at that point, were you shocked? I was shocked. Like I was, I was very shocked because, like, I was like, "How how could this happen?" Did you understand any part of it because of the closeness of the robbery and Sinai Grace and? Did you want? Did still, you, you understand their arguments? Still, I still don't understand it. Okay, you were sentenced to thirteen to twenty years in prison, plus an additional two years for the weapons charge. And did you think the truth was going to come out after that massive sentence? Um, I was always optimistic, even okay. though I had got let down at trial. You know, I was still optimistic because that's all I had. So then two years later, the Michigan Court of Appeals vacated your assault conviction because it was multiple punishment for the same offense. And the appeals court upheld the armed robbery and illegal use of weapons and remanded the case for resentencing. You were resentenced to 12 to 20 years, followed by two years. So that really didn't do much. It only took off a year. That didn't do much. But really, really, um, you know, after, after I did my, my screening sheet and all that, what they was supposed to only take off, they was really only supposed to take off like seven months. Okay. So the, so the judge just that was that was a kind of a a technicality issue. Yeah, yeah. But but you did something you got lucky or you did something smart, but you got the Michigan Innocence Clinic involved. Yes, sir. How did you do that? Um, you know, I, I, I fed them my case. You know, um You contacted them. Yes, sir. And you convinced them to take your case? Yes, sir. Did they come down and interview you in prison? They did. Who came down? Do you remember? Yes, sir. Um, Dave Moran, Megan Richardson, and... Oh, man. I don't want to forget nobody, but... Well, I appreciate that because they're amazing people. What? 
Jennifer or somebody? I don't think I don't think Jennifer was there. What year was um, this? This was 2018. And what prison did they come to? They came to Adrian, um, Gus Harrison Correctional Facility. And you told them the story. And what did they tell you? It was like it, it sounds promising. And so this is 2018. And I, and okay. I, signed, I signed my retainer with them at that point. Okay. Um, they did their investigation. They got their investigators. They connected with the Wayne County Prosecutor's Integrity Unit. Correct? Correct. And they convinced the Wayne County Prosecutor's Integrity Unit, Valerie Newman, who runs it, Mm. to vacate your convictions. Yeah, I mean, upon upon their own investigation. Wayne County's? Yes, sir. I had I had an interview with them as well. Who who interviewed you? Um, The whole conviction integrity unit, like eight people. They came to the prison? No, it was via um, video. Tell me how that went. Um... What, what did it tell me about the gist of that? So when I when I had the first of all when I heard I was going to have a video conference, I'm like, I was, you know, I was happy. I was very happy because now I'm like, it's like trial all over again, you know. But it's like with progressive minded people, with people that want to make a change, you know. And I felt like as long as, you know, the facts are there, everything makes sense, they're going to do the right thing. So tell me about the person who admitted to the crime that you were convicted for. When did that come up? Um, I had actually found out who did it um, a couple years into prison. 2012, 2013. Yeah, you know. So how did you find out who did it? Uh, mutual. We got mutual friends. What's this guy's name? Uh, Demetrius Edwards. So somebody got a message to you that Demetrius Edwards was mm. involved in that robbery. Yeah. And what did you do with that information? I didn't do anything with it. Why not? Still, at the same time, I was optimistic. I was thinking, like, I didn't need him. You know, everything was on the table. But you hadn't even contacted the Innocence Clinic yet at that point. Still, I was going through appeal process. You know, it wasn't even, it wasn't really even time to, you know, contact them at that point. Wow. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. You're sitting doing hard time in prison. All right. And you got a message saying, this Demetrius guy, is it what he was admitting to it? Yeah. Was he in prison? Yeah, he was. For something else? Yes, sir. Was he willing to help you? He was. And you didn't take them up on that? No. Nope. That's curious to me. If it was me, I'd be jumping up and down, screaming and yelling and waving my hands around saying, he admits to doing it. All right. And you're saying, so why, I don't understand why you, 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 well, you, you say you didn't need them, but. At the time, listen, let me, let, let's go back. So, let me see, I had did the court of appeals process, you know, you know, they get, they granted me some kind of relief the year when I, you know, um, up, upheld the rest of the charge. All right, so that's a win-lose, however you want to look at it, really. I looked at it as a win because it's like, all right, so now I got some, some traction now. 
even though they ain't really admit that the rest of it was a problem, but it was a problem in itself. Um, when he when he sent in, he actually sent me an affidavit as well. He sent you an affidavit saying I did this. Yes, sir. But like I said, at the time I had, um, I think my case was with the Supreme Court or something like that. Michigan Supreme Court. Okay, but they denied it. They denied it. I just, I just thought like the man was going through enough. He had just, he was scheduled to get released maybe 2016. Um, I want to, it probably was before that. Um, however, go uh, ahead, finish your thought. Um, however, his he had got charges that got brought up on a on a on a murder with him that he was supposedly been involved with. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say this for later, you know. But you had, you had compassion for this guy. You're yeah. doing twelve years of prison time for a crime he committed. Yet mm-hmm. you had compassion for him to not bring him in, did not get him involved. Yet he sent you an affidavit, basically begging you to get him involved. Right. I mean, it sounds like a smoking gun that could have gotten you out earlier. Uh, it it, it could have. Did this card get played in uh, with the Michigan Innocence Clinic? Did yes. they use this affidavit at that point? Yes, he had, he had, he was interviewed. He was interviewed by the um, I believe the the CIU, the Conviction Integrity Unit. So this is although five you this is five six years later. Yeah. So you did five or six more years of prison mm-hmm. until that card was played. Right. And you didn't get out until what was it what was your release date? Um April thirtieth, twenty nineteen. And you got that affidavit from him around twenty twelve, twenty thirteen? Initially. Initially. Initially, but I never I didn't use that. I understand. So, so you I sat had, in prison for six yeah. or seven years knowing that the person who committed this crime was trying to help you but you were just still hopeful that the process was going to work itself out and you didn't want to use it. Yes, correct. And the first time you started using it was with the Michigan Innocence Clinic. Yeah, because at, at that point, at that point when I wrote the Michigan Innocence Clinic, I had just lost. Like, I was, I was sad like that. I probably only cried two times in prison. You know, maybe three. My great-grandmother, um, when I got sentenced to all that time and then um when i lost my federal hey you know my um my case with the federal court to give me relief so i'm like i was kind of i'm not gonna say i was kind of like desperate at that point but it was like i don't know where else to go at this point because why aren't they seeing the light why aren't the courts right exactly so Michigan Innocence gets involved. Dave Moran comes down and his team. You told him about this affidavit. Um, the video with the clothes played a big part of it. Mm. What else played a big part of it? Um, I, I told him to identify or to search, you know, break down the hospital records. And the hospital records showing mm. that you could have gotten shot the way they said. Right. Exactly. Is there anything else or were those the three big pieces? Three big pieces. 
Unless I'm missing something. I'm pretty sure that was it was just them three. I mean, I I, <laughs> I didn't read the the paperwork, right. but that um um and that seems like enough. Yeah. And so how long after you were interviewed by the um by the t- Valerie Newman and her team were you released? Um I was released about seven weeks. Seven weeks after that conversation? Yes, sir. Was it the same judge who let you out? No. Um that judge is retired now. Okay. So it was a whole totally different judge. Tell me about that day. Um, that day well, let's back up the day before. Let's back up to the 29th. Um, my counselor had um, told me that I had a you know conference, video conference with my lawyer, or phone conference with my lawyer the next day. I said, okay. So, you know, the, the whole night I'm like, well, what they got to tell me? You know, because um, we had just had the, the conference with the CIU a month prior. I'm like, I'm like, ain't no way that I'm about to go home this fast. Cause no, everything in there dealing with courts is a process. Slow. It's a it, at least a year, two year process. Like I waited, I think three and a half years to get denied by the federal court. You know, so the next day, um, I go get my phone call with my lawyer. Um, my lawyer was Megan. That was, that was my um, that was my lawyer. The new lawyer from Michigan. Yes, Megan Richardson. Um, she say, "Hey, Eric, um, you're getting released today." So, I was very happy. Like very, like that was. Did you cry that day? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Actually. That would bring me to tears. I didn't. Um, so I rushed back to my housing unit. Um, go cut my hair. You know, I'm really bald headed. I really need to get a haircut right now. Um, I get halfway through my haircut. The correctional officer say, hey, man, he came with a garbage bag. Hey, man, they saying you got to go. So you got to go. They want you up front. I, I I hurry up and grab all my stuff. Did you finish shaving? I don't think I did. <laughs> so you had half a half yeah. a shaved head. I think, but you I, didn't care. I didn't really care because <laughs> I was I was getting sick of coming out here anyway. So I I, I so gave. You walk up front. What happened? I walk up front. Um, I probably waited up front like four hours though before I got out. Oh, um, with them because at that point the judge didn't yet sign the like it wasn't my turn. In, in the courtroom for them to argue and all that kind of stuff. So he didn't sign the order at that point. So I had to wait up front, you know, for him to go through his docket and all that kind of stuff. But soon after that, you know, I, I had a, I had to sign paperwork anyway. So soon after that, I was released. I was released, Megan. And um, damn, which which one was it? Cause I had, I had two student attorneys. One of them was there. It's kind of blurry at this point. It doesn't. It's it, okay. It, it was a but great it's the day. Michigan University of Michigan yeah. uh, team. Was was Valerie Newman there? No. Was uh, anybody from the prosecutor's office there to say no, anything? No, not to you? at all. The only people that was there was 
University of Michigan, then my dad pulled up like 10 minutes after they did. Did anybody from Kim Worthy's office or ever apologize to you? Um, Publicly? I mean, like on the record? Yeah, or privately. I mean, you know, you know, privately, yeah. Who, I, I who? think the whole team, you know, they, they apologize, you know, um, to all of us. The conviction integrity unit people? Yeah, yes, sir. Said this, you were wronged. This yes, shouldn't sir. have happened. Shouldn't have happened. Yeah, shouldn't have happened. But you know, they they apologize to all everybody. Like they really good people. So it's amazing. That's an amazing it's an amazing story. You no, know, they job their job is to make things right with, you know, individuals have been wronged by their system. So that is their job. And mm-hmm. you know, Wayne County's office, it's you know, we commend them for having this right. unit inside of the prosecutor's office, there's not many of them in the country. There's only 100. And there's 6,000 prosecutor offices. Yeah, that's wild, isn't it? They, they need more. So I think, that, I think that we are pushing for more prosecutor offices to have this. When I say we, I mean, like, we have a, a group, you know, all exonerees, um, called National Organization of Exonerees. Um, so we really been pushing for, you know, everybody to see the light. Um, recently, a few of us have went down to Missouri within the last um, couple weeks. Missouri is big because they don't have nothing to do with us here in Michigan. However, it's individuals down there that has been falsely accused, wrongfully convicted of crimes in which they didn't commit. And, you know, they having a hard time down there. Get them up. Like their laws are totally different, almost barbaric down there when it comes to being progressive and doing the right thing to ones that, you know, been wrong by their system. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know how the prosecutor office have the ju- have the power to go right to the judge for release? And down there they don't. The they pro- have, they the don't pro- have that power? They don't have that power. They got to go through the attorney general and the governor. So the part you have a prosecutor, it's a guy named Kevin Strickland, been locked up for forty three years. The prosecutor office of the county that he had got arrested in is saying that man, we messed this up forty three years ago. However, they have to get clearance through the attorney general and the governor, in which they're fighting. So really, it's government versus government for justice. That's so painful. That's I, I've read the story about. Mr. No, Strickland. Okay. No, no, that's a horrible story. So you've been out for two and a half years. Yes, sir. How hard has it been to get reacclimated in society? Um at this point it's you no know, I'm good. Good. Are you um, what are you doing? Um, right now stock market, you know, investment, that's about it. And you did get uh, some compensation from the state of Michigan for wrongful conviction. Yeah, a little, a little bit. However, I'm fighting for my federal uh, compensation, my my federal lawsuit. That's what I'm really fighting for. Uh, I've been turned down by so many lawyers in regards to this claim. So, are you doing this on your own right now? Uh, I'm trying, but I'm I'm kind of stuck right now. 
So the federal law is not in your favor. Not in my favor. No, you got your compensation from Michigan, which is not enough. I agree with you. All right. It uh, doesn't matter. I, I know how much you got, but it doesn't matter. But you got, you know, what the, what the state mandate says. All right. Um, and a federal law, you have to prove some pretty crazy, deliberate um, things against certain actors. Um, and it doesn't sound like you, you know, it doesn't, this is going to sound messed up. Right. But it doesn't sound like you didn't get a fair trial. Right. Um, I've had people in your chair sitting right there that I've interviewed who didn't get a fair trial. Right. The judge was crooked. The prosecutors were crooked. The police were crooked. Um, your case, the jury just didn't believe you. Right. Right? I mean, the prosecutors argued a plausible... I would. It didn't make sense to me, the story, but they, they argued what they argued, and 12 people... 12 people agreed with the prosecution in your case right. wrongfully. And I think that, you know, the, I think it's part of the human element, right, to be compassionate. So here you is, here you have a guy that's saying, or two guys, and one of the guy's mothers saying that this guy assaulted me, assaulted my son, this is the guy. And I saw him. And I saw him. And I'm 100% sure that's him. So it kind of bring me back to, like, you know how the courts used to be as a like in regards to like race like this is totally different but you know how they'll say this man touched me or this that all it all it was all it had to be was a word you know the man did this say why they think the man did it the jury gonna convict and i think this was a case of you know compassion for the victim without even keeping in mind that I was also a victim that same night and it wasn't no compassion for me. Mm-mm. It wasn't no compassion for me from the jurors that was there. It wasn't no compassion for me from the judge or the, the whole prosecutor office that aggressively, you know, um, press charges on me. It wasn't no compassion for the detective that investigated the case that seen that it was I was I actually didn't do it that everything I said in my statement to the Detroit Police Department was in fact true. And I'm sure none of these people, the jurors, the judge, the prosecutors, the police, they haven't come across and and apologized to you. Never. They, they never Some will. of them may not even know. Like the, the jurors probably don't know. I'm pretty sure they don't. I, I wouldn't even expect that at all. Cuz they they, I'm pretty sure they just want to get the hell out of there. You know, that's you done with this. They were sick of their jury duty. So One of the reasons we do these shows, mm-hmm. Eric, is is hopefully a potential juror is going to hear stories like yours. Mm-hmm. And next time they're called for jury duty, they're going to go in and do the right thing. Right. And give the right skepticism and give the right weight to your stories and really think about it and, and, and learn about these wrongful convictions because you know what? They happen all the time. Yeah. And it's not right. And, um, people need to know about these stories. We need to get the word out. And that's what we're trying to do here on open mic. Did, did the man who committed this crime, did he ever get convicted for this crime? No. He's still in prison though for other crimes. Yes. Have you ever talked to him? Yes, I have. And what was that like? Um, no regular conversation. 
Okay. But he's still, he's in prison. Yes, sir. And you talked to him when you got out. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, anything you want to say to the University of Michigan team, Megan Richardson, Dave Moran, and the rest of the team about, you know, what they did for you? Uh, you know, they know I love them. Um, forever grateful for, you know, the time, the effort in which they put in my case. Um, I don't think I could ever repay them for what they did. Yeah, that's a pretty great organization up there. Yeah, I'm actually going to go see them next month, so. Excellent. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. sorry for what you went through. I'm glad you got such a good attitude now. And it sounds like you're doing some good advocacy work and trying to help others around this country and change some laws. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's, it's my duty to now. You know, like, I've been through that experience. It was a horrible experience, you know. Um, but sometimes in horrible experiences, you know, it builds character. You know, so I just got to do the right thing. Right now, we advocating for um, individual that's on death row. What's his name? Um, We got to edit that, too. What state? <laughs> I think uh, Philadelphia. I mean, uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. I believe. Um, It just came across my desk within the last two days, but I haven't really researched it. But that's kind of like our next project. Got it. Are you working with like guys like Aaron Salter or Kenny Winenko? You know any of these guys here in Michigan? Who? Kenny who? Winenko. I don't know him. But you I know, know Aaron. I, I know Aaron Salter. Um, Aaron's a good man. Yes, he is. And he's he's doing some advocacy work and trying to raise money and, and things like that, coming out with um, materials. Innocence, yeah, Innocence Maintain apps yeah. to try to help people who've, who've yeah. gotten out. So Aaron's a good guy. He's a real good guy. Kind of like my big brother. Make sure you tell him hi next time you talk to him. I will. I'm going to call him as soon as, we, as, soon right. as I leave. All right. Um, all right. Any parting words before we let you go? Um, thanks for having me, and I wish you the best, you and your team the best in all your endeavors. Thanks, pal. Nice to well, meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks for watching Open Mic with Eric Anderson, another wrongfully convicted man right here in Michigan, nine years in prison for a crime he absolutely impossible that he committed. Another man admitted to it, still took six or seven more years to get him out. Thank God for the Michigan Innocence Clinic and the team up there led by Dave Moran. Another heartbreaking story. Um, Lots of thanks to Eric Anderson who came on, shared his story. We wish him the best of luck, sure. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Share this story, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let us know about this story, how you feel about it, and anything else you want to hear us cover here on Open Mic. See you next time.